0: First step is buying cheap blanks. The second step is make the blanks easily recognizable. Step 3, get influential people to wear your clothes. Step 4, sell limited for high prices. And then step 5, profit. Hey, welcome to Trapital. I'm your host Dan Runcy. This is your place to gain insights on the business that shapes music, media, and culture. We dive deep into the companies and moguls who start the trends that shape the rest of the business world. I want to start this by sharing three quotes with you from Virgil Abloh's March 2018 interview with O32C Magazine. Here's the first quote. To me, luxury means value system. To a younger group of people, you could replace the word luxury with the word coveted. I covet these vintage Levi jeans because I couldn't find another pair like this. This is luxury to me. It doesn't mean that it's glossy or the finest fabrics. That doesn't matter. There's a personal luxury that I consider to be the basis of off-white. It crashes together things that distinctly relate with someone who grew up in the 90s. That's what fashion is. It's a recording system of our time. Quote two, but I can see through a brand and see what value I place in it. One part is irony. The irony for me to carry a luxury handbag for my headphones. Brands are just tools for consumers to describe their personality. If your personality is flat, then you wear obvious things. That's the rise of merch wear," quote 3. By the end of my career, I want streetwear to be perceived like an art movement. I often say that streetwear in its present state is like disco. It's such a jazzy thing. It's so perfectly of its time. You thought disco might have been well aged, but it aged poorly because it didn't have depth. It was missing something credible." End quote. And the fourth quote, I got to toss another one in here. I almost don't even want to design and operate from scratch. I'm into the idea of editing, end quote. Those are four quotes that perfectly encapsulate who Virgil Abloh is, how he looked at fashion, and why his style has been so revered over the years. In this episode, We dive deep into what made Virgil approach things in this way. We talk about his upbringing, the schools that he graduated from, and how he pursued architecture and engineering. We talk about his early relationships with key tastemakers like Don C, John Monopoly, and his often-discussed relationship over the years with Kanye West. We also talk about some of the big projects that Virgil worked on throughout his career, like the music albums that he worked on with Kanye West, to his work on the brands he started, like Bintrill, Pyrex Vision, and Off-White. And then we also talk about his groundbreaking career move as the men's director for Louis Vuitton. We also discussed some of the criticism and controversy and polarizing opinions about some of the things that Virgil Abloh did later in his career as well. This is a fascinating conversation that covered a number of areas, and I'm joined by Zach O'Malley Greenberg, friend of the pod, to break it all down. So come join us as we explore the open source world of Virgil Abloh. All right. Today, we're here to do a deep dive episode on the legend himself, Virgil Abloh, and his influence in a few areas, not just with Off-White, but also in open source fashion and how he's influenced hip hop, how he's influenced fashion, and a few other areas. And I'm joined by my guy, Zach O'Malley Greenberg. Welcome back to the pod. Great to be here as always. I think now is a good time for us to do an episode like this because we've had enough time that has passed since he passed away at the end of 2021. We've seen a lot of the aftermath with the companies he's launched and also just seen how his influence has carried on in the fashion world in music today. So it's a good time to be able to do a retrospect on him.
1: Yeah, you know, I think so much that we've talked about with Kanye and Yeezy is so wrapped up in Virgil and Off-White and it'll be really fun to kind of dig into, you know, where does Kanye end and Virgil begin? You know, there's just so much uh, crisscrossing of influence there and, you know, sort of who's the mentor and who's the mentee and um, the combination of influence that both Kanye and Virgil had on hip hop, on the culture, on each other. I think it gives it another layer that's that's super fascinating to, uh, to take apart.
0: And I feel like there's similarities that speak to the two of them as well. Like when we talked about Kanye, we talked about how he was someone that was drawing designs and dreaming up what it can be. And then when he becomes an adult, literally speaks it into existence. Virgil was the same way. He's someone that also had a parent that was a seamstress. So there was a connection with the type of work that he would end up doing. And he had the dreams of seeing what this could look like. And not everything was formulated in this exact way. He ended up studying architecture and engineering when he did end up going to school, but it eventually made its way into fashion and into this world because he just is able to find a way to connect these things. And I think one of the things that really sticks out with his journey, he graduates from college, um, University of Wisconsin-Madison and. 2002 but he actually skips his graduation he ends up landing a meeting with john monopoly who was kanye west's manager at the time actually one of his co-managers they had this group in chicago the go-getters and John Monopoly was someone that Kanye had known since they were teenagers, back to the early nineties. And then Virgil's able to score this meeting. And in a lot of ways, this was one of those early seeds that then sets the future up for him.
1: What do you think about Virgil's background? You know, he came up as an architect, not necessarily a fashion designer. So he was able to sort of take that aesthetic. He was like building aesthetics and apply them to fashion. So sort of looking outside the box for influences and dictate how you proceed as an artist.
0: There's so much growth and knowledge that happens from the people that are bored within something and then just grow up. Of course, you have industry knowledge that others aren't going to have. And when you have others that didn't work in that space that can apply their own fresh insight and perspective to look at things in a new way, it's going to add different flavors to it. And even some of the things that have been core to Virgil's design over the years, like the diagonal lines and things like that, stem back to this architectural period. And when he was getting his master's degree, he was at the Illinois Institute of Technology. He was working with a teacher there, and he was using Adobe Photoshop, and the teacher was trying to push him to use Adobe Photoshop for more than just architecture. That is one of the things that I think really started to lean into him, because he clearly had these connections. He saw what was there. But how do you tie in this master's degree that you have in architecture with everything else that you have? He had this early brand that he was building at the time called Fort Home that he was doing. There were a few pop-up shops. They really didn't take off. But then some of his designs caught the eye of Don C. Don C was also someone that had co-managed Kanye with that go getters group with John Monopoly as well. That caught his eye. And Don C was someone that was a hustler. He was doing fashion himself. He was actually doing some stock market trading uh, in his late teen years. He was really moving and shaking as well. So a lot of these things were starting to coalesce into what the future would look like for Virgil.
1: In your mind, what was sort of the, the big break moment for Virgil? Was it that meeting or something that happened subsequently?
0: I do think that the meeting was an initial seed, but I think the big break was him actually meeting and working directly with Kanye West. I think that's what set things forward because they meet in the mid-2000s, but that first big real project that Virgil ends up doing is working on the Glow in the Dark tour and specifically the merchandise that they had at that tour. I went to that tour May 2008. They had stopped by in Hartford, Connecticut and everyone I saw had the Stunner shades on. And it was definitely one of the more iconic moments that I can remember from a piece of merchandise feeling like it had its own aesthetic. It felt the same way that the sunglasses from the Men in Black movie felt in terms of, yes, this is something that I'll always associate with this moment.
1: But even more distinctive in a way. Um, And then again, also maybe easier to copy. And I went off to... um... To cover Lollapalooza and and Kanye brought the Glow in the Dark tour through to there and, and put on this incredible show. But uh, yeah, I remember before I left, I was walking through Union Square, and you know people were selling the Thunder shades for like five bucks, and you know everybody had them in Lollapalooza, and, and it was this whole thing. But um, but you know also talk about Glow in the Dark. I mean, um, so much of, of that tour's aesthetic and and just even you know the name Glow in the Dark, it, it goes through the rest of um, Kanye's you know, design work. When you think about uh, the 350s, these 350s, the glow in the darks are probably the most iconic version of of that shoe, right? I mean, um, that's the one that, that, you know, I've always wanted the most and, uh, and I I eventually got a pair of them. It it all kind of traces back to, you know, to the things that he worked on with Virgil, um, you know, back in that era.
0: This is also the time when they start getting more and more interested in what's happening in Europe. We knew from the episodes we've done about Kanye and his various businesses, he's always wanted to get involved in that scene. And so did Virgil. Kanye does introduce Virgil to a fashion designer, Kim Jones, who then helps him learn about the industry in London. And then the two of them end up landing internships at Fendi. This is something that they both reflected on, but this virtual Kanye relationship, although they had worked together on Glow in the Dark, I think at least in the public eye, really starts to kick off at this moment.
1: Yeah, and I really wonder if that was sort of the genesis of luxury rap, you know, the, the sub-genre, which I think was defined by Watch the Throne, which happened a couple of years later. Uh, Again, you know, Virgil was the art director for that project. He brought in Givenchy. It was like one of the last great uh, CD packages. And I mean, it really wasn't like anything you'd ever seen before, forget in hip-hop, but just in music. And it really matched the message, I think, pretty well. It was a moment where hip-hop went from talking about aspirational brands and coming up with the artist and, and kind of rejoicing in success to like, I'm going to start talking about things that you've never even heard of. Like, I'm so advanced from a, you know, taste perspective and an art and design perspective. kinda of, kind of lording over everyone, you know, how, how successful he and how great his taste was now, you know. And um, I think Virgil, although they shared some statics and and you know influence each other so heavily it always felt like Virgil was more interested in making that kind of design more accessible. And I think Kanye was was so focused on, you know, elevating his stature that was important to him. Maybe he was just insecure, but he like really wanted to be seen as as this sort of exclusive, unattainable something or other, whereas Virgil maybe wanted to make it more accessible.
0: And that moment of luxury rap is so fascinating to look back on because the two of them being in Europe, they're trying to make it you have that iconic photo of Virgil, Kanye, Don C, and others at Paris Fashion Week. And they are like, hey, we're crashing Paris Fashion Week. We made it. And a lot of these things feel very similar to the ethos and the mentality that people had in those first few Obama years. It was very much a we made it. And it aligns with a lot of that messaging, especially for black men in that era that were young. There was something that spoke to them And they could talk about their wealth and the opulence and black excellence in this way that both Kanye and Jay-Z did throughout Watch the Throne in a way that would come off very differently now, just given that we're in this time where some people are ashamed about the fact that they're billionaires. They don't want those things to be put out in the same way. So it hit this very timely moment for them, which was really cool to see. And I feel like Kanye and Jay-Z often are at the front of that, but Virgil definitely speaks to a lot of this too. And even how Kanye just continued to elevate the aesthetic in large part because of working with Virgil. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was another one of the big projects that they worked on. We all know about the Hawaii sessions where all of the artists came through with Kanye to be there making music with him. Virgil was there too because Virgil was the art director for that project as well. And that was also one of the iconic projects as well. And right before we we're taping, you were showing me the inserts that you have from one of the big posters. I think you have the ballerina one.
1: It's just a whole different ball game from, you know, from what was going on with Alpha album artwork um, previously. And, you know, you got to think, of course, Kanye was willing to take those kinds of risks, but also Virgil was there to, to execute it for him.
0: And this really was his guy at this point, even dating back to 2009 after the Taylor Swift VMA incident, when Kanye went on his exile to Japan, Virgil was right there with him too. So we've been able to see them continue to grow and develop this relationship it's really fascinating to look at because I think with from the virtual perspective, by the early 2010s heading into the mid-2010s, things are in full gear at this point because he's getting name dropped on Watch the Throne. That package itself that you own was nominated for best recorded package at the Grammys, just considering how iconic the gold foil tin was. And then Virgil's also now experimenting more and more with his own fashion designs. And this is where we really start to see more of that Virgil aesthetic come through because first he has Ventrill which was not even designed to be a fashion label in that way. It was more of a side project they had and that they wanted to create some merchandise for it. But the next real one ends up being Pyrex Vision. Kanye had given it a shout out as well in his Yeezus album. But this is a label that really only lasted for one year. And you look back at some of the quotes, Virgil was quite critical of it this was a fashion label that was known for that big block x that you saw on the back it had the number 23 signifying michael jordan you know chicago boys being able to celebrate that it wasn't necessarily focused on luxury but it did carry a lot of virgil's ethos and one of virgil's big things is the three percent design rule meaning that you can change the entire aesthetic of a product just by evolving it or changing it by 3%. And this is something that I've now seen repeated by different tech CEOs and leaders and business leaders and things like that. So his ideas definitely carried weight. And he was able to do this where he would take, whether it was Flannel or Champion or Ralph Lauren or different brands like that, just adding a bit of aesthetic there with Pyrex. But there were a number of issues. This is where we started to see more of the criticisms about plagiarism. The company Pyrex itself, the dishware, a cookware company sued Virgil for using the name and the company ended up stopping. But this was the early iteration that then stayed with Virgil as a learning point to be like, okay, what can I learn and adopt from Pyrex Vision for my next thing?
1: Yeah, that's really stupid of Pyrex to, you know, to try to get in the way of that. It's like the best publicity, you know, they ever had. And such an improvement over um the previous mentions of Pyrex, which was like in songs about like making cooking crack or whatever, you know, I don't know. I don't know who was on the marketing team over there at the time.
0: As we're gonna get into Virgil did do partnerships with furniture companies and things like that. There was something waiting there to happen.
1: If somebody really thought that all you needed to do was change three percent of something to make it new, you might just say that actually, I'm going to change 10% or I'm going to change 15% just to make it seem like it was a little more original and maybe to not uh, risk getting in as much trouble with whoever the original design came from. But that's what's so revolutionary about it, right? Um, The honesty of it. And with his work, I mean, just by changing 3%, he really did change the whole thing. And I think it goes back to the very beginning of hip hop. And you look at pioneers like Dapper Dan, you know, taking designer, you know, clothing and shoes and, and so forth. And just like, remixing it that much uh, and creating something totally new and different so you know it was like the, the modern take on that and and managed to go I think a little wider than anybody else did before
0: And similar to Dapper Dan, someone that also got sued by the company that he was remixing these designs from when they should have been trying to work with him in the first place. One of the criticisms that Pyrex Vision had got to was just how expensive it was where he literally was taking items that cost under $100 doing the 3% design and then charging several hundred dollars for it. And not that's necessarily a bad thing. Fashion and price, price is very much an art, especially when you're talking about something like this. But I think this is what started the aesthetic for off-white which she started in 2013 so thought was how can i take what's working or what worked well from pyrex vision that three percent mentality and then creating an opportunity for this to be looked at to adapt these designs but with high fashion products or leading it more to that perspective and i think some of those learnings really helped that brand take off and there were so many timely things that happened with it too where you're starting to see more about hype beast and streetwear culture come through. And Virgil has always described himself as someone that was a 90s kid, grew up in the 90s. I think he was born in 81. So the 90s really was his formative decade in that way and bringing a lot of that. And I know a lot of people have labeled him as a hip hop designer and we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But I do think that how do you merge that luxury rap, the luxury mentality with this new generation? You do it by approaching it the way that, Virgil
1: did. And it's interesting to me that he got flack for, you know, taking a twenty or thirty dollar item and, and marking it up, you know, by by 10X. I mean, if you think about most luxury goods, you know, luxury clothing, what is the actual cost of production? You know, on a three hundred dollar bottle of champagne, it's it's probably like twenty or thirty bucks, something like that. It's kind of like a lot of times people criticize in professional sports, they criticize the players instead of the owners, they criticize the players for being greedy. For like, you know, leaving for a slightly bigger contract when in fact the owners are sitting there on, you know, on this generational wealth and, and they're being a little more stingy with it. Yeah, I wonder if it's that sort of dynamic at play where people were, were like more interested in criticizing Virgil for, for that than, you know, the brand to do it and get away with it, you know,
0: all the time. I mean, look at all of the artists themselves that have merchandise t-shirts that they sell at their concerts. They're buying three, two, one dollar gilded t shirts in bulk and then putting their logo on and then selling them at their concerts for 50, 60, 70 bucks. I mean, that markup is just as crazy in a lot of ways, if not more so. There's so many aspects of this, too. I do want to read this quote here about how Virgil looks at price because. This was more specifically about Off-White, but I think it's timely here. This is from a interview that he had done. I believe this was in 2019. It was called uh, Duke Champ is My Lawyer. That's the name of the interview, but the price says, first of all, Zara and H&M have skewed the price and people's perception of how much something costs. My favorite shirts are actually from Uniqlo and they cost $4. I can't ship anything from here to Japan for $4. There's an entire major corporation behind that. The quantities I'm making are way less and the people get paid a normal wage.
1: Especially around fast fashion, you know, that there's a huge environmental impact. You get what you pay for, you know, you buy some cheap shirt and it just wears out after a year or two and then you got to go get a new one that goes into landfill or you give it away and then it goes into landfill. But um, it, it's not like it costs 10 times more to produce a high quality shirt than it does some subpar one, you know. It could cost more, but not that much more. So I would go back to the, to what we were saying before about like this is what luxury brands doing all the time, and and so what if Virgil does it too? You know.
0: Let's take a break for this week's chart metric stat of the episode. Virgil was primarily known for his fashion, but he also made music. On Spotify, his top three cities by monthly listeners as of February seventh are number three is Paris, number two is London. And number one is Lagos. It's a reminder of how global his influence truly was. Let's get back to the episode. And you spoke to it earlier where Kanye was someone that more so wanted to protect his ideas and be known as the person. Virgil wasn't necessarily about that. He saw Off-White and his fashion as a movement. He wanted to be able to change things and he wanted to be able to influence others so much so that whether it was on his website or his interviews, he wanted people to do the 3% design approach to his ideas. He wanted fashion to be looked at as a sandbox, as a playground. You build and you make things additive, almost in this way that people may look at music on some of these creator platforms, whether it's a SoundCloud or a BandLab or Splice and things like that, how you can create and build and remix and have different iterations of songs He looked at fashion in that very same way. Take what I've already done. I've been doing it through everyone else's. Here are my ideas. Here's my playbook. He even had this five-step thing about how to build a streetwear brand, which is interesting. His first step is buying cheap blanks. The second step is make the blanks easily recognizable. Step three, get influential people to wear your clothes. Step four, sell limited for high prices. And then step five, profit. He wanted to be able to share this and have people build on top of it. And it's something that's so interesting because this is a world as well, which is so known for trying to be protective of ideas and approaching things almost in the same way that Kanye has. But Virgil was still able to be quite successful, even though he approached it so differently. He approached it the way that someone would have like a GitHub page or something that's open source or something like that.
1: Well, and it's interesting, again, talking about, you know, uh, their relationship with Kanye. I mean, how much of Kanye's aesthetic was borrowed from Virgil or vice versa? You know, for Virgil, it would have been fine with it. Um, You know, whatever amount people thought that there was sort of this creative diffusion. But I think Kanye, like, in some ways, tried to distance himself or like maybe not. Maybe he tried to understate the creative influence they had on each other. Because I remember when I was doing my cover story, on Kanye Forbes uh like four years ago, Kanye didn't really talk about Virgil. And, you know, I mean I was with him for a whole weekend and we and he really just didn't didn't talk about it very much. You think you would the whole story was about Yeezys and design and, and everything. You know who did talk about Virgil was Ken. And I, I talked to her for probably 45 minutes about Kanye's process and what he was like uh working with people and as a collaborator and you know she and kanye had 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 some design conversations about some of her stuff as well and it was interesting because she really like pretty clearly tried to paint kanye as virgil's mentor rather than vice versa you know i i think there was just like a lot of back and forth right i i don't know that kanye was really virgil's mentor in that way. I mean, I think Kanye did hire Virgil to do some work for him, but I mean, you know, maybe we learn from each other and I would learn some new things, and they would learn some new things. But, you know, just because you're sort of bringing somebody on to do something doesn't mean that you're their mentor. You know, you, you might be bringing them on because you want some mentorship in, in whatever field that was, or, you know, maybe it's kind of like a more equal back and forth. But I do wonder if, if Kanye's insecurities about being taken seriously in the fashion world led him to sort of like understate his connections and that sort of creative diffusion, you know, between himself and
0: Virgil. The way that Kanye collaborates, he does want the best people around him, even people that are better at things than he is himself with the people that he has that'll come to his sessions, whether it's in Hawaii or wherever to work on his albums or the amount of times that Virgil has done artwork for particular areas. But it's this weird dynamic where, yes, Virgil, you... Kanye did help bring you into the fold, and he did name you creative director of Donda, your creator of director for so many of these albums. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you are the one that is, in the same way that you said, it's almost like a startup founder. The most successful ones invite the people that are more successful than them in particular areas that can help coach them in a lot of ways. And yes, there's something about the founder being able to have that type of grit, but any of the ones that have like truly went from zero to IPO have people on their team that are better than them at things. You can't get to that level if you're not humble enough to surround yourself with people who are better than you.
1: You know, I guess I wonder to some extent, was Kanye jealous? When Virgil was appointed uh, to run Louis Vuitton's menswear division, this great trailblazing appointment, Kanye, who called himself the Louis Vuitton Don, would he have liked to have that post? Did he feel like he wasn't taken seriously as a designer because people thought of him as a musician and you know, we know he didn't like to be pigeonholed as a musician? He didn't like to be pigeonholed at all, right? When he was a producer, he didn't like to be pigeonhole as a producer he wanted to you know be a rapper also when they finally made it as a rapper and and so on and so on so like kanye also had these conflicting feelings like he wanted to be a billionaire he wanted to make mass market stuff also he wanted to like have this exclusivity uh he wanted the luxury rap you know you kind of can't have that all at once you know i don't I, i don't know that you could like run yeezy and be the louis vuitton menswear director and what we know now about kanye may be you know, they, they had some idea of what they might be getting into. You know, Kanye was also in like a pretty wild place. And this is right after the tour where he's like doing all these rants and stuff. And um and Virgil had, had kind of been very consistently making these great designs and not making news for the wrong reasons. So
0: Because Virgil at this point was really gliding and things were working out so well for him. He had the woman's line from Off-White that had done very well. And he was starting to have other different types of collaborations. He had the partnership with Ikea for some of their furniture. He also worked with Nike directly on the Nike 10. And that's where we saw more of those air quotations. He worked with Serena Williams on her US Open outfit from 2018. And he had the iconic, I feel like Pablo merch from uh, Kanye's Life of Pablo tour as well. We didn't even talk about Yeezus and That album and the set pieces for that tour, which felt like a musical in a lot of ways, just with how Kanye did it. So the influence was there. And again, speaking about some of the humility, Kanye may not have liked. The media is making it seem like this person is the thing that's responsible for the genius. And if the person has a bit, the ego doesn't necessarily want to accept that, then they may want to push the person aside. So it was tough to see, but then you clearly have Virgil just continuing to ascend where he now has his job as the men's director. He's the first Black man to be able to have that role, and he's still someone that was in his 30s at the time, so it was just really impressive. Everyone is eager to see what's happening. You're just seeing more and more happen with high fashion, with artists especially where those are artists in hip-hop or r&b or black artists that are doing their thing this is around the same time that rihanna and fenty start blowing up and having their success we're seeing more of the collaborations with jay-z and beyonce and others with high fashion brands this is also i think around the same time that jay-z and beyonce had their everything is love album and they filmed that shit music video in the louvre so High fashion is here and Virgil had a front row seat to so much of this.
1: You know, just to see after his death that Pharrell was the one who replaced Virgil, I think just, you know, underscores what a larger than life icon he was. And, you know, I remember when he passed away, I wrote this piece on Substack saying that that really more than a designer, he was a rock star, you know. And in fact, we haven't really talked about this, but he was also a DJ and he came up and he, you know, he played some like, legit sets at legit places. He had this sort of rockstar energy to him and and was able to sort of transcend fashion. And, you know, I think uh, that that served him really well
0: over time. And this is probably a good time to talk about just where Virgil was from a business perspective, because Off-White was doing pretty well. We talked about how this was the rise and the growth of street culture in a lot of ways, but the ownership structure for the company was interesting. So at the time, Most of the company was owned by New Guard Group. That was the exclusive licensor of Off-White. That was the place where you could buy and sell a lot of the Off-White products, but there were other stores that they had it in too. But Virgil owned the trademark itself for Off-White until 2021. A few months before his death, he has that deal where he announces the official partnership with Louis Vuitton, where Louis Vuitton ends up buying the 60% stake in the trademark. And a lot of the discussion at the time was Bernard all son, his name is Alexander. He was the one that was really trying to push things and saw all these connections with how influential all these hip-hop artists are. So this is around the same time that we see the Dior deal and some of the others that happened with major hip-hop artists. And even though Virgil was not a hip-hop artist, he was part of this broader collective that just saw the streetwear influence and how do we get more of that into these 100-plus-year-old companies. So the influence is there. But there's also an interesting thing that happens because in 2019, that new guard group ends up being bought by farfetch farfetch is this company that has the vision of replacing and being the place to do online high fashion almost in the same way that quibi had came out and quibi was like we're going to revolutionize how people digitally stream video content and farfetch is one of those companies that had a lot of promise raised a ton of money but once the pandemic slowed down and a lot of the hype around some of these products slowed down The company just wasn't able to maintain, the burn rate was extremely high. There was some controversial post about how people felt like the business of fashion as a media publication was artificially inflating the success of the company. And then by the end of 2023, the company ended up folding and off-white in some of those reports, they talked about some of the depressed demand for the product itself. Of course, Virgil had passed away two years before that at this point, it's hard not to see the direct connection there where I'm not necessarily going to imply that Virgil himself would have saved Farfetch as a company. But for a product that is so tied to one person, and even though Virgil had open sourced the mentality and wanted people to build on his ideas... There was just so much genius that came from it that I think it was hard for that brand to continue on in a lot of ways, despite the success and how it captured that moment of not just streetwear, but fashion overall.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of the profits were coming on the secondary market. I mean, if you look at some of the off-white sneakers, you know, on StockX and and how you know they were marked up after people sort of started getting back out into the world after the early pandemic. The genius of off-white is that it feels like a collectible. It's like a limited edition thing, and it's it's something really different than just like a luxury good. It's it's like something that there's a finite quantity of, and we, we saw this with like the run up in prices of like NFTs and baseball cards and all this stuff. Uh, People are sitting around, you know, not really going out. They had some extra expendable income and and all this stuff got pumped up and then it kind of fell back a bit. But uh, I think that coupled with, you know, they're not being Virgil around anymore to come up with, with these new ideas. um, You know, I think that's really tough.
0: A good time to talk as well about some of the controversy and some of the PR challenges that surrounded Virgil, especially in the later years of his life, because we talked about how that luxury rap era was so prescient and so timely in a lot of ways. But by the end of the 2010s, you have we have a different president in, in, in the White House. There's a different culture and tenor in America, but in the world overall. And people were much more critical about things than would have reached the surface in the same way when Virgil was really coming up. And we started to see that in a few ways. I'll bring up the first one. So in 2019, Off-White had had a staff party. There was over a hundred people at the party. It was in Milan at their offices. And Virgil had done stories, Instagram stories of all of the people that are at the party. And people had quickly commented on that he didn't see a black person at all in any of the pictures and people were questioning okay well where does that speak to the authenticity and the connection that Virgil had had and it was in a very similar way every few months you would see some picture from some tech CEO's annual summit or Christmas party and people reacted to that the same way so there was some controversy there people had started to share a little bit more about their criticisms of whether it's copying plagiarism and sharing and Virgil we've obviously talked about how Virgil saw that but that started to become a bit stronger and then even in 2020 things had surfaced as well because after george floyd's murder virgil had had some comments commenting on how people shouldn't be destroying or vandalizing luxury stores, and people were quite critical of Virgil. Because of that, he later apologized for the comments, but then Virgil had also donated $50 to the bail fund at the time and had posted an Instagram story about it. So that was something that got a considerable amount of backlash because people saw Virgil as someone that was quite rich, and for him to not just do a $50 donation post it didn't feel like it sat right with people either. Virgil did end up donating more money but it was just interesting to see that not to the same level of Kanye but someone that was just beloved and celebrated the media for so long you had this brief moment ironically towards the end of his life where there was more of a mixed bag in terms of the response and what some of the articles were if there was an article that was coming out about Virgil Abloh.
1: And I think it kind of goes back to the discussion of luxury rap, right? Um, and this is something that, you know, is in many ways an artifact of like the the go-go 2010s, you know, like coming out of the Great Recession and Obama's election and tons of entrepreneurial energy. And, you know, you had Web 2.0 and, you know, the startup mentality and new billionaires all over the place and, and
0: Uber Airbnb booming.
1: Yeah, exactly. Airbnb and Uber just like like running away with it and, you know, c- celebrities investing in startups and all this stuff. And as, you know, time went on and there was this real reevaluation of wealth in our society? And like, should there even be billionaires, you know, and and I remember seeing it just like, you know, I, I think there was kind of like a societal sea change. And it just, it, it was no longer quite so cool to be Super rich. I think it's really hard, though, when you're somebody like Virgil, it doesn't really convert to like a a mass market thing. You know, there's not a store brand off white. I mean, that that's sort of like the antithesis. The the whole point is you take the store brand and then change it and make it um, rare. You make it collectible. So I think there's certainly a way to have that design aesthetic and that business plan, and still, you know, kind of like approach the societal aspect of it a little differently. The 2010s were pretty interesting time and perfect for the rise of Virgil and something like off white i still do think the the brand is going to stay you know really relevant over time i mean i got a couple of pairs of uh, off white jordan
0: we actually started to hear some criticism about even some of the designs of things too not the sneakers but do you remember that pop smoke album cover that it came out and it felt like it still kept some of the ethos of the of some of the artwork that he's had before but people thought that it looked like a copy and paste job so it eventually ended up taking it down but it was so interesting to see that and it's like oh wow here we are like Virgil's really in it but I do think that, as you talked about before and as we know, after someone passes away, the tenor and the conversation around them definitely does change, especially given the nature of it. This is someone that passed away from a very rare form of cancer and something that he likely was living with and wasn't telling people. And smartly for him, we've just seen so many tragic issues of celebrity, health, discussions being so mismanaged if you just let the tabloids and the websites that are pretty much run like tabloids live off of it so credit to him and his family for how they manage it but still it's been interesting to see i mean i do agree with you i think the legacy and the success and the impact will live on and i think it's probably good to keep in mind how Virgil himself thought about the success. Again, he wasn't necessarily driven by the profit and the money in that way. He was driven more so by the ideas and the democratization of that. And even if the climate has changed a bit, I still do think that that idea of having people build on top of what you're doing is something that makes so much sense and will live on. So it'll be interesting to see the next person and i'm sure that there will be someone from gen z or gen alpha that is able to capture their culture and their age demographic in the same way but i assume that a lot of that same ethos at least from what we see now will likely evolve but evolve for what the 2020s and on look like
1: it'll also be from the culture it'll be from music hip-hop specifically every generation you know and somebody else is going to rise so
0: well, anything else on Virgil or Off White before we close things out? I, I
1: do think it's interesting to contemplate um, where would he have gone with it if you know if he'd been alive today. And one option that would be available to him probably would be to do some kind of mass market thing, right? Maybe to fill the void at Adidas that was left by Kanye. Uh, Would they have brought him on to try to do something?
0: Unlike Kanye, someone that I think wanted to do it all, he was able to kind of have his corner and have it work. And despite the criticism, despite things, there will always be a demand for people wanting to buy exclusive items that not everyone else can have in that same way. And that's something that I think will continue to live on, you know, lived on before Virgil, will live on after, but it'll be hard to look at things differently just given his influence. So I hope that in the future as well, people will keep in mind just the broader influence as well. I think back to the Grammys 2022 tribute that they did and On the title card for him, they labeled him hip-hop fashion designer as his occupation, essentially. And it's just such a limiting term because, yes, he was influenced by hip-hop. He worked closely with a very popular hip-hop star, but it influenced all type of fashion. And especially for someone that was a multi-hyphenate, it was cool to just see that continued influence. And I do think that part of the reason there's such a strong reaction there from what, that was in his titles because he's someone that has just accomplished so much more than that. So congrats to him and excited to see what continued discussion, not just of him but of his legacy looks like. Well thanks Zach, as always. Pleasure. Likewise.
1: Uh and really uh, enjoy it every time. So thanks
0: everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Send it to one or two people you think would really get value out of listening to this episode. And while you're at it, if you could rate and review the show, that would be great. Rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Rate the podcast on Spotify. Rate the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps make sure that the word gets out about Trapital and what we're building here. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next time.